0: Welcome to Talk About. On Talk About, our goal is to sit down with open-minded people for open and honest discussion. No judgment, no hidden agenda, just getting the conversation started. This week, we're joined by a cannabis enthusiast and key account manager at Kindred, a cannabis sales brokerage, Randall So. This was an amazing conversation touching on topics such as the legacy market versus the legalized market, how to identify different cannabis strains and helpful hints on growing cannabis from seed to harvest. Sit back and enjoy the show. All right, brother, (laughs) cheers. (laughs) Cheers, awesome. (laughs) Oh, amazing. And so what what pray tell are you, uh, did you just spark up? What what strain are you, uh, what strain are you explain to the audience uh, and me, please?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So a little bit of a shameless plug, this is uh, actually one of the brands that we represent. It's called, it's Haven Street, Uh, Sonic Express, which is, it's a sage and sour strain, so very kind of like uplifting um, type of strain, has strong citrusy, lemony type of notes to it, which typically with those type of notes, you usually get more of that kind of like uplifting type of effect, right? And I thought it'd be perfect for our conversation, considering we're having (laughs)
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I don't see any other reason why you would use that strain other than for something like this. You know it. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So, thanks for joining me, man. I really appreciate that. I mean, our relationship goes back all of about ooh a month uh, when we ran into each other so by happy. chance down at uh, down at thirty thirty down at the restaurant, and uh, just just through idle chit chat, mm-hmm. uh, I came to find out that you are involved with the weed industry, mm-hmm. and that automatically kicked in my sensors, and I asked you if you'd be interested in coming on and talking openly about it, and you graciously accepted, so I really appreciate that, and so we're going to get into some conversations about the weed industry, your thoughts, you know, the approach, because I'm still, I'm so new to this game uh, from every from every avenue, So uh, so again, thank you very much for joining us, I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for uh, having
0: me. Not a problem at all. Now, now you didn't get your start in the weed industry. I mean, you had you had alluded to your involvement with weed in the past, but yeah. business-wise, you you didn't start there. Where where did you start? Just to get a bit of a background from where you came from and where
1: you are now. Definitely. So as for myself, I would say I've always been you know a pretty entre- entrepreneurial type of individual. I went to University Wilfrid Laurier University for business, got my honors BBA there, and during my during the summer leading into my fourth year of university, one of my good high school friends of mine who was going to school for videography said, Hey, Randall, you know, I'm in school for videography. You're in school for business. Why don't we combine our brains and, and start something and do something here? And being myself, being very entrepreneurial with that kind of mind frame, I said, Great, let's let's definitely start something, you know. So we actually started a video production company called Breakthrough Media. So we ran that for about two years. So the full year during my fourth year of university, plus an extra year after I graduated, we we continued to run the business. And what we did was we essentially created corporate videos, training videos, um, and promo videos for YouTube, which was fairly new at that time. And that's essentially what we did. And then eventually what happened was uh, my business partner started getting more into the entertainment industry, started to do music videos and stuff like that. So we're involved into music videos and that sort of thing. But as for myself, I knew that was his passion, his career path. So I let him kind of do his thing, and he, he went and ran with it in the music industry, and he's done you know high-profile videos. He's done videos for like Nelly Furtado and so forth, right? So wow. some pretty high-profile videos. And then uh, basically, what I said to myself was, you know what, I need to get myself some real-life work experience, right? So I decided, hey, let's 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 close up Breakthrough Media. It is what it is. I want to get myself a real job and, and earn, earn a salary and, and learn learn from experts who already own a business and run businesses. So that's what I did, I, I exited. And then my first job after that was I got myself into the recruitment industry. So I was uh, a recruiter, a headhunter for about two and a half years or so. And I knew my, my passion was always in sales, right? So um, I love selling, you know, I, I've been selling ever since I was a kid like I think I started selling things back in oh geez let's say grade school probably like grade four and five I was flipping pencils and pens so what I would do is I would every pencil and pen I would find or I would buy like a pencil or pen for for like a penny or nickel from someone and then I would flip and sell it for like 25 cents so you know I was doing that in my in my grade school years and then even in high school um, you know uh, I was flipping other things I was making mixtapes and selling mixtapes and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> um, so I've always been in sales and always had that sort of kind of mentality of sell, 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 make money from selling. So yeah. So after breakthrough media, I was in sales. So mainly doing sales for marketing and digital marketing agencies. So that sort of thing. So I was doing that for a bit. And then during that time um, I've, I've always been consuming cannabis. So started smoking weed for probably my teen years, um, but I didn't realize that I was consuming cannabis more for medicinal reasons rather than recreational reasons. So I started to realize that in my, in my 20s, in my early to mid 20s, I kind of realized that and started to determine that cannabis actually helped me because I, I, I have a little bit of ADD and you know I have trouble focusing my parents can tell you that I almost failed I think like grade five or something like that because I just couldn't sit down and teachers mm-hmm. in great my grade school years always said you know Randall this this kid just cannot sit still so I found that when consuming cannabis it just presented the opposite side of me instead of being super hyperactive I was a lot more chill right mm-hmm. so I'm also very high strung and it also helps me bring down that kind of anxiety and that sort of thing so realized that I, I was consuming cannabis for mid or reasons in my 20s. And then uh, during that time when I was working in sales, one of my buddies approached me and was like, hey, because I, I recently just purchased a house. So I had my own property and my buddy was like, hey man, would you be interested in converting your ba- the basement of your house into a grow up? And I'm like, nah i don't know what you're talking about man i don't want to go to jail here this is kind of crazy i love smoking (laughs) weed but i don't know if i want to grow weed and risk and and how long ago
0: was this roughly
1: this was probably in 2009 okay he approached you know i I asked him can you provide a little bit more information so he started to tell tell me about the mmar license so i don't know if you're familiar but cannabis was legalized recreationally 2018 But Mm -hmm. cannabis was actually introduced medicinally back in 2001. And this was under the MMAR license. That was the the first medical license. So if anyone suffered from any medical ailment, and if they found that cannabis helped those ailments, they could go to a doctor. A doctor will write them a prescription, and they could either grow cannabis for themselves under the MMAR license in their designated home or wherever they're going, or they could have a designated grower to grow on their behalf. So that's basically how this came into play. So we basically obtained three patients. We were able to get three licenses all under my residence and basically turned the basement of my house into a grower and grew cannabis for three patients for about four years or so,
0: I would say. Yeah. So with with the three patients, uh, Mm -hmm. sorry to to interrupt. I figure you probably need to, to take a hit on that and uh, give me an opportunity to kind of uh, barge in here. But so with the three patients, how many plants were you able to grow at that point in time? Was it the, still the four plant uh, rule that they have now? Or was it, oh, I see a big smile on your face.
1: Very different. So my one license here that I have in my
0: background here. Okay, yeah. Um,
1: one patient, I can't remember what her ailment was, but uh, we were allocated to grow 15 plants for her. Wow. And another patient, I think we were able to grow twenty-five plants, and then we had another patient where we to grow, you know, X amount. In total, we, ha- we were licensed to grow, I think, a total, roughly about fifty plants or so. Wow. Yeah. So we we're growing fifty plants in my in my basement, and uh, we had one room which was a vegetative room about 25 plants in the bedroom and then about 25 plants in the flower room where we'd be flowering and then harvesting from there. That That's
0: interesting. So now with the 50 plants and obviously you have the, uh, you're legally able to do that because of the patients, how do you account for like, how does the government track that at that point in time? Mm. Because I'd heard whispers of that back then, but I didn't know anybody that actually needed that. So how do yeah. they track it?
1: Um, very good question. They didn't really track it. So Health Canada was... Minimally involved. I have not, we, during the entire time we had our license, we never had a Health Canada agent come over to assess the grow operation. It's very different now with the, with the LPs, the licensed producers now for the, in the legal market, like they get checked on by Health Canada very often, right? Mm. Um, but to this day, there still are individuals that hold this MMAR license. It's actually evolved. It's no longer the MMAR license. So it started off as the MMAR license, uh, Medical Marijuana uh, Access Regulation, I think is what it standard, stands for. So that evolved into, into the MPR, MMPR license. Then it evolved into the ACMPR license. And from there, it evolved into the License Producer License, LP license, which is what we have now with the, the big license producers okay yeah yeah very
0: interesting so now what do you think has changed is it that it's because it's regulated now they want to keep more stringent control on it like why are they a little bit more on top of things now than they were back in the early 2000s
1: i would definitely say that's a major part of it it is legalized on a on a federal scale so you know all eyes are on us so to speak so we have other countries looking towards us looking at us so we want to ensure that uh with these big licensed producers that they're not just producing crap, um, mm. you know, that they're actually producing product that is consumable, right? Because when you when you buy from the legacy market, when I say legacy market, I mean, you know, there's the black market, the, the gray market. This is a market before the legal market.
0: Which I have to say, when we had the conversation uh, to start off with, you mentioned the legacy market, and I actually have it down in my notes uh, as as legacy market. But you uh, you're the one that coined it because I asked you, is that what it's called? And You're like, no, no, that's just what I've been calling. It. I love it, by the way. So if we can have any uh, any reach here at all to get that called the legacy market, let's do it. For sure. Uh, so sorry, continue. That's awesome. So legacy market.
1: Yeah. So you know, legacy market. When people think of you know, the black market, legacy market, whatever you want to call it, they think criminals right away. That's, that's what most people think of. The way I define it is there are two classes that fall under the legacy market. Yes, you have your organized crime, the Hells Angels, the Triads, and whoever else, who are selling cannabis into, into the streets, right? Then you have your shoe cannabis growers, are growing cannabis because of its medicinal reasons, because they love cannabis for what it is. So those are the two types of growers. You have the illegal, truly illegal growers, and then you have technically illegal growers, but they're doing it for a cause, basically, right? They're okay. doing it for different reasons. So when people think, speak of the black market, I always try and remind them that, hey, black market, legacy market does not automatically mean they're criminals, right that's a yes. that's
0: great i'm glad we made that distinction absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. it's really important for the people who are, are trying to be helpful and 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 try to squash that stigma as well for right? sure
1: for yeah. sure um so with that being said in the legacy market you have the organized crime guys who probably i don't know if i could swear on the podcast or not but, oh yeah um, absolutely go okay. for okay. it they, yeah they we'll put actually, a disclaimer up <laughs> they absolutely don't give a shit about quality they might be Using chemicals, they might be spraying it with certain things, pesticides and all this crazy shit. Then you have the true cannabis connoisseurs, growers who are growing it for medicine, growing it for other reasons, and they're growing it very clean, right? Um, So I think that's why now with the legal market, Health Canada is now extremely involved because they want to make sure that no one is growing it like how the organized crime guys are growing it, where they're just throwing pesticides and chemicals and all that other funky stuff right so
0: yeah taking those shortcuts so what what do you think would be your estimation because i know this is probably not an accurate number but what would what would your estimation be um in say 2010 let's split the difference between now and when it was kind of legalized in the early 2000s of mm-hmm. people that were growing it illegally but for you know good purposes as opposed to those uh, the the criminal masterminds like how do you how do you think that there is a certain percentage there that that was split?
1: Oh, that's that's a good uh, good question. I know it's man. really hard yeah. to track
0: that, mm-hmm. but I know that you've had experience with both both the legacy market and now the legitimate market. So I, mean, I think what I'm trying to get to is I'm interested to see where that market has come from and yeah. where it is in today's today today's world okay. yeah
1: i would say for the true cannabis growers and, and connoisseurs and the people who are growing up for medicine they still exist right they're they're still growing to this day maybe they have a medical license like what i had maybe they don't um but there i would say as of today the legacy markets still hold maybe 60 70 percent of, of the market. Wow. and then the rest of it is the legal market yeah and,
0: i mean that's obviously the legal market is still so so new in terms of wide widely spread yeah how do you see that legacy market um in say five to ten years
1: so in my honest opinion what i think is we're going to see a decrease in the organized crime side of things because people can now easily buy in the legal market. So why do they need to buy it from the streets that's fair Then you have your cannabis connoisseurs who will continue to grow cannabis they may not be growing it for for profit they may be growing it for themselves they may be growing it for friends but i feel like that will always exist oh i see and the reason why i say that is because there are cannabis consumers connoisseurs who do not want to buy into the legal market Mm -hmm. because you know they've been fighting the fight for so long and then they see that, hey, it's become legal and now they're not included. So they're like, ah, fuck the legal market. We're just going to continue doing our thing. I think those guys will always exist. So what's going to happen is, you know, let's, let's say fast forward 20 years from now, right? When cannabis has been legal for, let's say, 20 years or so. All the kids who are get, being born now, they, they would never know that cannabis was illegal. The only people that will be consuming cannabis or growing cannabis, say, illegally, would be Those who are the true canvas connoisseurs, um, sort of like myself, people like myself who who don't want to give uh, the the legal market a chance, essentially, right? These Mm -hmm. people will still exist. They're they're still going to continue to grow. They're still going to continue selling to their friends because, you know, they trust them and that sort of thing, right? Um, So I think that will still exist, but it's going to shrink. We're not going to see a big percentage anymore. And I think eventually, 20 years from now, I think we'll see the legal market will then hold maybe... 60, 70% of the market, and then you'll have a small percentage which will be technically illegal or legacy market.
0: I mean, that makes total sense. I'm sure that after prohibition, that the alcohol industry went through the same thing where moonshine became a thing of the past and legalization was just easier. And I'm sure there were certain stigmas attached back then, as there has been with weed for a lot longer than, than alcohol now, which always blows my mind. Um, I, as being somebody who only got into to weed and edibles and and exploring what uh, opportunities there are there about five years ago, I've always contended that it makes no sense to me at all why why weed was illegal to begin with. That's been documented left, right, and center. I mean, you know, paper industry involvements, uh, you know, banning it, propaganda. It's it's an interesting history that I I implore anybody to look into because it's fascinating what uh, propaganda will get you. But it's interesting to hear that the legacy market twenty years makes total sense. Like you said, people who are born today they're not going to know that. You know, going and meeting that guy behind the Walmart exactly. uh, in some random parking lot. Now, with the strains themselves, I see that you've got a beautiful little grow, thi- uh, grow box happening in behind you for the people, because this is going to be mainly audio. So for the people who can't see that, can you describe this beautiful contraption that you have behind you and what you have growing in there?
1: Uh, definitely. So, you know, anyone can do this if, as long as you have the space and the time and resource to to put into it but yeah anyone can do it because legally as a Canadian citizen we could grow up to four plants legally in your home
0: that's four plants four feet high is that correct
1: it does not matter doesn't what size even matter
0: oh, okay you okay. could
1: grow them up to 20 feet if you want man Ooh, like
0: that'd be beautiful. as long as
1: it's your your stakes stay within the four plant limit so basically what I have for behind me it's it's grow tent um so you know lots of individuals in the industry and and people who understand and smoke weed they know what a grow tent is is. but for those who have never heard of a grow tent or don't know what that is essentially it's it looks like a a big rectangular box right the one i have here is a four by four so it's four by four by six by seven feet tall okay so essentially it's a room that is encapsulated in its on its own and you can grow cannabis within it. You buy a light, you can buy a filter, and basically you could can grow cannabis year long within this box, right? This is the typical tent. Now, a lot of companies are starting to come up with these kind of like fancy grow boxes where it looks like it looks like a beautiful armoire. So oh. this one here, it's not extremely pretty. It's a giant big black tent, right. um, essentially yeah. box. But there are companies that are making very beautiful, aesthetically great looking boxes that can fit within your, your home and you can grow you know, very, very uh, low key.
0: Very nice. Yeah, I mean, you have to imagine that these contraptions, just as any market becomes popular and becomes, you know, mainstream, all of these, uh, you know, accessories are going to become even more and more popular. I could see grow tents being being a big one. I know a lot of people that have converted their garages or their sheds into to grow ops very fairly easily, but. I think people have shown that if they could just buy a contraption that is already ready to go, then you know, there that's it's it's a done deal. Is yeah. there anything that you have to or does it come with everything or do you end up having to buy additional accessories?
1: So this one in particular, I bought everything separately and then put it together. Okay. So if you're gonna do this, you definitely kind of want to do your research because you want to know where you're buying, what you're getting into. Uh, you will need to understand what you need to get. So if you want a basic setup, if anyone's getting a, uh, if anyone out there would like to get a tent and grow on their home, basically what you need is you need the tent itself, depending on the size, how much room you have to grow within your space, your home, your condo, your house, whatever it may be, your apartment, you know, figure out what sizing you, you have uh, that you're able to allocate then buy that tent to fit within that size. From there, you would need a light. So you could either get what they call an HPS light, which produces more light, more heat, or you could get an LED light, which is a little bit cooler. It's newer technology. That's what I have in there. It's an LED light. So you do need okay. a light, obviously, to produce you know, the uh, sure. sun rays for, for the plants to grow. And then you need a filter, a fan and a filter. So basically, Uh, the fan would exhaust all the heat and air inside the tent out and um, brings in fresh air as well, right? So you need
0: one of those. So just a, a a quick question about the light. So you had said that LED, and before you had mentioned the other light that produces heat, is heat not essential? Is it just more the power of the light?
1: Heat is definitely essential, but here's the thing. The con to the HPS is that, especially if you're running a small tent it could really get that tent really hot in there you may overheat it right so canvas plants you typically want to stick around anywhere between 22 to i would say about 24 degrees roughly uh, if you start going beyond that it, it, it could add a little bit of stress to the plant
0: okay cool and then and so was there anything else uh, that you need in order to get that bad boy going
1: Definitely. So, yeah, you need the the inline fan with the the carbon filter. The carbon filter isn't necessary, but I think it's pretty important, especially if you're going indoors, because once it starts firing, if you don't have a carbon filter, it's going to stank in there. Your house is going to stank. So (laughs) if you're okay with that, you could leave the carbon filter off. But, you know, obviously, if you want to keep it a little bit low-key and you don't want your house to reek like pot all the time, yeah. And uh, mind you, cannabis plants that are flowering smells very different than what, what it smells like when it's being smoked. It's it's very strong. Um,
0: yeah, I'm very curious about that because you had mentioned that with uh, when you converted the basement over, that you had the flowering room and you had the, what was the other?
1: The vegetative room
0: the vegetative room. So could you explain those two differences? Mm-hmm. And then can you also explain to me what you were just talking about in terms of the smell of smoked weed versus uh, weed that's flower or cannabis that's flowering?
1: For sure. So I'll talk about the, the smell first. So when you burn cannabis, it has that almost like a skunky-ish type of smell to it, right? It, it, it smells very distinctive. A fresh cannabis plant smells a little bit different than that. It has, I would say, it's very almost sweet selling smelling but still has that skunkiness to it as well right it has a very distinctive smell too right so depending on what you want you may not want your house to smell like that so if you don't want it to smell like that a carbon filter is essential because it will help kind of eliminate the the odors now Mm. to your question about the bedroom and the flower room so basically when you're growing cannabis plant it goes through two major stages the first one is the vegetative state. This is a state where uh, from seedling on, you wanna basically grow the plant up. You wanna try and grow a nice canopy of the plant. And then once you have vegetated it enough in terms of like how big you want it to, to grow, you can start flowering it. Then you have to switch it over because what happens is in nature, if you're growing outdoors, when the plant starts to get a little bit of less, less sunlight, it knows that it's time to flower. That's when indoors it, it starts to flower. So oh. when you grow outdoors, usually all plants start to flower around September, when we start to get a little bit less light, right? So when,
0: when you plant it, when would you have planted that for it to flower in September?
1: I would say you would you would tip when growing outdoors. You would ideally want to have your plants outdoors. I would say early okay. June, late okay. May, early June. But um, well, if you're growing indoors, you you you're setting the light schedule, so. When you're vegetating, you typically want 18 hours of, of light and then six hours of darkness right? Oh, to, okay. to make up for the 24 hours. When you're ready to flower it, you change the light schedule to 12 hours light, 12 hours darkness.
0: Very cool. And then that, so that brings it from a seedling up to flowering. And then at that point in time, so, and forgive my ignorance, cause I'm, I'm really, I don't really know the ins and outs of the growing, but it's fascinating after it's flowered, what do you do at that point in time? Mm -hmm. Because there's like a drying out process or something along those lines, right?
1: Exactly, so a lot of plants typically, you know, I would say it may need a flowering time of say 90 days. So when I flip the switch to flower, it's gonna take about 90 days for it to be fully finished. Once those 90 days are up, you're gonna then cut the plant down, you're gonna harvest it, so cut the plant down, and then you wanna dry it. You want to dry for maybe about two weeks or so, right? And you want to make sure that when you dry, you're drying it in the right environment. Because if you don't dry it in the right environment, it could either mold, start to get moldy, or you could lose a lot of the flavor from the... And I, I'm going to start... I might throw on some terms in here. Some, oh, that's okay. Cannabis Shoot. terms in here. Like you, you're, you're basically going to lose out on the cannabinoids, which is the THC, the CBD, all the, all the stuff, um, the terpenes flavors all the stuff that helps produce the high essentially right okay and we could we could talk we could dive a little bit more into into the yeah, cannabinoids are run. so
0: fascinating right so like fascinating. cannabinoids isn't there like 120 of them or something along those lines or am I, is that complete hundreds there, there's hundreds there's probably
1: oh. five there's probably 500 plus we don't even know we haven't even discovered them all, right wow we know the we know the main cannabinoids thc um cbd cbn cbg those are kind of like the major ones that we know of and now we're discovering more cannabinoids like we're discovering cannabinoids where maybe more powerful than thc i can't remember exactly but we're we'll come wow. up with more research all the time now right so um basically now that it's legal we're able to do this research and we're able to determine more things and we can test things out for medicinal reasons and start to figure out hey does it actually help with cancer can it do this right with all this research now we're going to see the Canvas world start to open up.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: we're, gonna, we're we're just going to learn a lot more. Right? It's going to be great, right? So
0: I mean, that's that's one of the biggest advantages, obviously, to to having it legalized is then you can have the information and the data on hand. For the professionals to be able to utilize it the way people have been utilizing it for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Uh, But now like the hardcore data it's just you know getting science involved and actually having things that you can track and and try to replicate and reproduce right I mean Mm -hmm. that's that's exactly a, a massive benefit to what this is. And then hopefully going back to that stigma conversation, getting rid of a little bit of that stigma, you know, it's not just everybody kind of eating Cheetos and stuff like that, but (laughs) let's stick with this strain conversation because this is a fascinating thing for me is I keep hearing all these conversations about, oh, you know, have you tried this strain? You know, this 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 strain will give you that and so on. You've got a couple of plants going on in there. Why don't you start with telling me what strains you got going on in there? Mm-hmm. And then we can get into a little bit of, uh, you know, your thoughts and opinions on, on strains as we know them today.
1: What I have going in there, I have three different strains going right now. I have a strain called LSD. According to leafly and leafly is a great resource for... oh it's an
0: awesome site yeah oh, it's,
1: it's, it's amazing I, I, I...
0: I think the first butter recipe that i ever i ever got was off leafly
1: yeah nice so it says here that LC the lc string was bred by barney's farm with a lineage from mizar one sheriff i've never heard of that it is a disease resistant plant that does well in most growing conditions which is great and the buds form in curved triangles, yielding approximately 600 grams per square meter. So good stuff there. It has about eight to nine weeks flowering time. And it says here that the strain is popular for vivid, euphoric experience and powerful body buds. Hmm, interesting. So I'm growing that guy. I'm growing a string called Jack Harreur. Jack Harreur was bred by a very popular cannabis activist named Jack Harreur. So Jack Harer is a cross between Northern Lights Number Fine and Shiva Skunk. Shiva so this strain, again, you know, the effects for canvas varies and it depends on the individual. But okay. for me, it produces a very nice euphoric, uplifting type of high. I would, I like to call it my daytime weed. You know, this is something that I could smoke during the day, function very well and, you know, helps me be creative and, and still be focused, um, but still, you know, very very on point so I'm growing that and then I am growing a strain called critical mass I've never grown critical mass before this is for some that I, I've grown critical mass and the only real reason why I'm growing critical mass is because I got the seeds for free and oh is, nice yeah so this is an indica dominant strain cross with skull. Yeah. all
0: right cool so yeah so now It's so interesting to me. You know, I hear when I talk to people who have been smoking weed for a long time, weed used to just be weed, you know, we would just get weed and smoke it. And now there's people that seem to be on the other end of that spectrum, which are, you know, oh, when I smoke this sativa, I feel sleepy. But when I smoke this sativa, I feel energized. And I start getting confused because me personally, I don't, necessarily think it works that way I don't believe it works that way based on my experiences um, especially when it comes to you know smoking a sativa and feeling sleepy I'm a big believer in your state of mind has a lot to do with your experiences with these weeds um, but you know you know a lot more about this stuff than I do what is your feeling on that mm-hmm.
1: you're absolutely right it, it has a lot to do with your state of mind your environment what are you doing at that time? It also depends on the individual as well. So as humans, we all have what's called the endocannabinoid uh, system, the ECS system. And these are the receptors that the cannabinoids connect to, and that's what gets us high. That's how we get high, essentially. In terms of sativa, indica, hybrid, I don't like to use those definitions to describe an effect although that is currently what we are doing as an industry right now and i think the reason why is because of the lack of education and it also because it's easier to explain cannabis with those three distinctions those three distinctions okay now sativa indica hybrid that really the, speaks on the physical aspects of the plant itself. So when you look at the plant, a sativa plant will have finger—you know long finger-like leaves, mm-hmm. and typically sativa plants are taller. In the industry right now, a lot of individuals will consider a sativa plant to be more uplifting. Yes, that is a good generalization, but if you're diving deeper into it, I wouldn't say that all sativas are uplifting, okay. but it's a good generalization. Okay. Indica plants... Are plants that have short, fatter, broader leaves, and they're typically shorter and stubbier plants in terms of the physical aspect of it. Generally speaking, we typically say that indica plants are sedative. You might have heard the term "indica couch," and that's uh, all. Yeah, <laughs> just had that
0: conversation yesterday. Yes.
1: <laughs> so, typically, generally speaking, yes, indica typically could be sedating. Right. But not all Indicas can be like that. Mm -hmm. Then you have hybrid plants, which are basically crosses between Indica and Sativas. The majority of the strains that we're smoking today are some some sort of hybrid. It's a cross of something. There aren't many true strains anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but the reason why I'm saying this is because we have to dive more into the science of cannabis. And what produces the high? What produces the effect? There are a couple of things that leads to the effect and the high. You have, you know, the cannabinoids, the, the THC, the CBN, the the CBD. These are technically things that you know produces a high. Uh, oh, we all know that THC is the predominant cannabinoid that produces the high feeling, right? The psychoactive feeling? high. Exactly. But in terms of the rest of your feelings, the body buzz, the anxiety that some people may get from smoking cannabis, the creativity, the allevement from other ailments, that comes from other other things like the terpenes. Mm. So terpenes are what produces the smell, the flavor, the taste of the cannabis. Other plants, other living things on this planet also contain terpenes. For example, black pepper has curiotholene, which is a terpene in cannabis. Mangos have terpenes as well.
0: Interesting. It's so funny. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. We'll get back to hops in one second. I was just listening to a podcast uh, the other day about mangoes and eating a mango before smoking. <laughs> and how, yeah, and and you know, because there's all these different things that people and some people feel that it gives them a little bit more of a lift. And I'm wondering if it, if now it has something to do with the, the terpenes. But I mean, that could just be, you know, somebody's brief experience. But yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. funny that you would mention uh, mangoes. So sorry, you were saying
1: hops. Yeah, so hops, you know, hops contains terpenes as well. You could find terpenes in hops and a lot of different things, lemons, that sort of thing. And that's what, like I said, that's what produces the, 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 the smells. Because, you know, there's some flower strains that you'll smell... And it will have like a very citrusy, a lemony type of, you know, smell or taste to it. And it's because it can, it may contain lemonine, right? So- That makes that, so that, much sense. Exactly, okay, exactly. Right. So,
0: so when people are smelling weed, then they're hmm. actually smelling things. Then they're not just like, cause sometimes I'll open up weed that my buddy will have and I'll be like, mm, yeah, this smells great. But it smells like the other four weeds. <laughs> <laughs> that, that we have, I, my nose is not necessarily trained to smell different types of weeds, but there is legitimately times where I smell things like lemon, or or, or like a sweetness and, and you're yes. saying because it shares the terpenes.
1: Yes, exactly. And then all those things combined that the THC, the cannabinoids, all that stuff with with the terpenes that that's what's produces what we call an entourage effect. That is the true feeling of a high.
0: Oh, that's amazing, man. Thank you very much for breaking that down. That, that is actually, I'm sure that I, I probably read some of this before, but the way that you explained it makes a hell of a lot of sense. Now, my brain thinks about things this way. If you're going to study something, focus in on one thing and then move from there. If you're saying that we're moving away from true strains of sativa and indica and going more to hybrids, do you think it's going to, wouldn't you think it would take a little bit longer to kind of isolate out with the hybrids? What terpenes are, are performing what? No? Okay, cool.
1: No, so it's, it's it's pretty easy to do those tests. Like there are labs where they basically take the canvas, they'll analyze, uh, and they can break it down and tell you exactly. This is the THC percentage. This is a percentage that, you, that this flower, uh, the percentage of terpenes that's contained in this flower, what terpenes are listed in that and the percentage of those terpenes as well. So on a molecular level, we can break it down pretty, 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 uh, pretty finely, right? The science is there now, which is great. So this actually segments into what I wanted to say about cannabis and how eventually how we're going to shop. And as consumers, I think eventually once the education gets out there, the knowledge gets out there, I think eventually people are going to want to purchase based on the effect and what, how they want to feel. What we're gonna start seeing is we're gonna start seeing a lot of people doing a lot of experimentation, trying different strains with different terpenes, and then they're gonna make note and be like, you know what, I like this, these terpene combinations. I like, I like these type of feelings because they'll do the research and see that, hey, oh, you know, like linalool, which is, could be found in like lavender, has sedative feelings, right? You got the limonene, which has more uplifting feelings. So I think people are going to start to realize that and they're going to want to shop based on effect. So they're going to start to determine what terpenes they want based on the fact they want to feel.
0: That's amazing. So then you think it's actually a good thing. It sounds like that hybrids 100%. are coming in and we're getting rid of those individual things. And then that's going to streamline more to the shopping based on desire as opposed sure. to the, sure. the pre. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: That's a great way of
0: putting it because I, w- I was wondering why everything was moving to hybrids and if that was actually a good thing.
1: Hey, well, that's the thing. It doesn't matter whether it's a hybrid regardless of whether it's hybrid, sativa, indica, they all have terpenes, they all have cannabinoids in there, right? So okay. it's just, a hybrid just means that you're able to take a certain indica plant that has certain terpenes and then you could take a certain sativa plant that has certain terpenes and then mix them together try and try and get even more terpenes or see what happens and what, what, what mix comes out of that, right? So-
0: it's amazing. That's amazing. Because as you said, there's so many terpenes at this point in time, or cannabinoids at this point in time that we have no idea what they are. So I think it's vital that people keep track of this stuff. I I know Mm -hmm. that I keep track of things personally. And I always chalk that up to me getting started later in life. I was actually doing it for particular reasons. Uh, not necessarily just to get high. I was actually looking to address things like sleep and inflammation and anxiety and all of these types of, of things. And it seems like I came in right at the right at the perfect time where science is actually now going to be able to support that stuff. Where do you think right now the market is in terms of what it's desiring?
1: I would say the majority of the market right now because most of the consumers don't really understand the whole Turkey aspect of it, most of the consumers are buying based on THC percentage, to mm. be honest. They'll mm. go into store and they'll say, Hey, what's your highest THC percentage that you have right? That's what I want. Which is I, did that.
0: I did that myself. Oh, did yeah. you? Which I fell like, right for it. Yeah, man, because I just don't know. Yeah.
1: It's kind of funny because if you think about it, do you walk into an lcvo and say, Hey, give me your strongest whiskey? No, right? Not,
0: not if not if you actually want to enjoy it.
1: That's what I'm saying. That's so a so why well, do we do that analogy. with cannabis? Why do yeah. we do it with cannabis? I, I just don't understand that because for one cannabis, we're, we're consuming cannabis for different reasons. Yeah, we want to get high, but there are times where we want to consume cannabis and may not want to get high. You know, I love smoking CBD strains or one-to-one strains where I don't get high, but mm. I still feel relaxed. I still feel great. It, it's kind of funny how we're, we're going that route. Um, and, and it's mainly the consumers that are doing that. And it's odd. It's only been the past, oh, I would say, maybe like three years where people are now aware of THC percentages because of, of the legacy market and the legacy dispensaries that existed before the legal stores, they were labeling THC percentages on there. Okay. But a lot of times, I know this for a fact, they had no idea what the THC percentage was. They were just slapping a number on there.
0: Of course, of course. Well, it don't, And doesn't it stand to reason that it's probably like, you know, kids in a candy store, everything's legal. So like, let's just smoke the highest thing. Let's get let's smoke the <laughs> thing that's going to get us blasted the most, but then just like alcohol. Again, going back to that, look at the craft market. Now the craft market isn't about, you know, high alcohol content or, or just like a super disgusting beer. Like I drank when I was a teenager, it's actually about flavor. It's actually about producing something specific. So hopefully we can follow in that foot, those footsteps a little bit. One of the things that kind of scared me probably about six or seven years ago, it's a rough, rough estimate. I had heard that there was a UK lab that was working on trying to remove the quote-unquote negative aspects or the, the tars. I don't know exactly what it, they were trying to remove, but they were trying to clean up weed. And this was before it was legalized here, obviously. Is your concern with it now being legalized and science being involved that weed will become a, like a hyper
1: synthetic? product? Uh, Yes and no. It's already happening. Synthetic cannabinoids exist. So there are pharma companies that are producing synthetic THC, synthetic CBD, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You you could also get synthetic terpenes, or you could also extract terpenes from other elements outside of cannabis, right? So you could get botanical terpenes, for example. With that being said, I, I think we're going to see two sides of the coin here. I think we are going to see companies that are going to produce synthetic components because it's going to cut back on the cost of growing the plant it's going to cut back on the time it grows the plant and you could just make it in a lab then you're going to have the true cannabis users who are going to say hey synthetic cannabinoids and synthetic terpenes don't produce the same effects as what you would get from an actual canvas plant. And I'm leaning onto that. That's where kind of my opinion, I kind of lean towards that where, you know, if you want the true experience, you got to do it from the actual product, from the actual thing. In terms of what you're talking about in the UK, where I think I read the same article, they were trying to eliminate the smell. Mm -hmm. They wanted to eliminate the smell, the skunky smell. If you're going to eliminate the smell, you're basically eliminating the terpenes. That's basically Mm -hmm. what you're going to be doing. So you're just going to be smoking straight THC at that point or straight CBD or whatever it is. So you're not going to be getting that, you're not going to get that entourage effect with the terpenes. I think we will see some people go towards that route because there are people that don't like that smell, but Mm -hmm. they they may want to get high, right? So we'll see where it goes. You know, for me personally, as a cannabis connoisseur, I want that, those terpenes, I love the smell. I don't care if i'm walking down the street and i smell like a freaking skunk i don't care um you know when it was illegal i was still walking around not giving a shit and just walking around the streets smoking joints i've been stopped by cops many times they tell me to put it out whatever but you know in toronto we were pretty lucky the cops were fairly lenient if you're just smoking joint if you didn't have any cannabis on you outside of that they would they might just tell you to throw it out or whatever right but uh yeah yeah so I guess it really depends on the individuals so for those people that don't like the smell there are other ways for you to consume Mm
0: -hmm.
1: without having to smell you could smoke Mm. you could vaporize it you could smoke concentrates and distillates there you go concentrates and distillates don't have a smell you know um edibles beverages don't have those don't have smells anything that is non-combustible will not produce the smell. So, you know, for those out there listening, if that's something that you're interested in and you want to experiment and get into cannabis, you could easily do so without the smell and without having to combust something and have to inhale some sort of smoke. So there are alternatives out there.
0: Yeah, I love my uh, Ariser. It's, it's not a plug. I don't work for the company, or I don't get it. sponsorship <laughs> from the company, but I love my Ariser. It doesn't, it doesn't give off a scent. I know that when, or when these uh, vaporizers became popular, they were being sold as a healthier way to consume weed. Do you know anything about that? Like versus smoking a joint and, and inhaling that, That because it seems as though there's more smoke involved with a joint as opposed to with the vaporizers.
1: Yeah, so I, I'm a, I'm a hardcore joint smoker myself and I, I'm probably going to be a joint smoker till the end of my day. But don't get me wrong. I love my dry room vape as well, right? I have mm. one of those like your your device I have there. I have one called the the Mighty and I love it. It's great as well. So here's the thing. When you are smoking a joint, you're combusting something. There is smoke that you're you're inhaling. Is that healthy? Probably not. There's probably some negative aspects to it, but there's a lot more research coming out now where people are saying that there are certain cannabinoids that helps with the actual smoke they're inhaling. So Mm. it's almost like, a du- double negative in a way that <laughs> makes it all positive. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm gonna put it out there and say, it, I'm pro- in my opinion, smoking joints probably isn't the healthiest thing, but is it as bad as smoking cigarettes and, and tobacco and that sort of thing? No, it, it's not as bad as smoking tobacco. So keep that in mind that when you're smoking cannabis, you don't have all the tar and all the chemicals that tobacco companies are putting into their, their cigarettes. When you're smoking cannabis, the only negative that you're taking in is the combustion, the smoke, essentially. And that I, makes don't a lot think, of sense. I don't think we have enough research yet to say how bad it is. Yeah, It's hard I, to say.
0: I totally agree. I, I don't think the data is in on that. I, I, I have a feeling that people will tell themselves things so that way they feel comfortable in certain aspects and so forth. I don't necessarily think at the end of the day that this is going to be hell of a lot more uh healthy than than smoking it that way i think it's going to come down to preference but one of the things that you just touched upon is something that i get concerned about tobacco industry versus weed becoming legalized do we run the risk of weed getting to a stage where they're going to start throwing a whole bunch of fillers and stuff like that into it or how you know how does that look because that scares me
1: i would not like to see that at all you know yeah. that, that is extremely scary I do want to put out that the, the tobacco tobacco sure. companies are involved in the cannabis industry right now. As we okay. speak, they are involved in this industry. So are we seeing that happen, happen right now? No, we're not seeing that happen right now due to Health Canada regulations. Because of Health Canada regulations, you cannot add fillers and that sort of thing to it. I don't know if you heard about this, but back in the summer and early this year and and even about a year ago today, we're seeing a lot of cases of what they're calling vape illnesses. People that were vaping these vape cartridges, which is basically concentrate. Oh, right. And they were getting sick from it. They weren't getting sick from cannabis vape products. They were getting sick from black market companies that were creating cannabis concentrate products, but they were Uh. adding fillers to it. They were adding vitamin E acetate to it and other things they're cutting it right that's insane that's what drug dealers do
0: these are like your your um like the the e-cigra the ac e-cigs and stuff like that as well or is am I thinking as well so
1: it it was the e-cigs that got that was involved as well as well as these um cannabis they call them carts 510 carts Okay. So these 510 carts in the black market, there's a lot of, you can, you can do whatever the fuck you want in the black market. It's sure. the black market. Nobody's looking after you. Whereas in, in, in the legal market, you have health Canada that has specific regulations that you got to follow. and health Canada says you can only have pure cannabis distillate or concentrate products. And if you are going to add anything, you can add you know, botanical terpenes or or cannabis terpenes back into it. You cannot add any other weird, funky things to it. Vitamin E acetate or anything like that.
0: Yeah, cutting it. Like you said, that's what drug dealers do. That Mm. is, that's crazy. Like, see for me, when it comes to those types of products, I, I get a little more leery of them anyways. I mean, I would rather see a bud that I can grind up and I can either roll as a joint or throw in the vaporizer. I just feel a hell of a lot more comfortable <laughs> doing it that way. You know what I mean? Like, um, Now, one of the things that you touched on and something that I'm very interested in, because I take CBD oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I'm just using the Soleil, um, so- Soleil I believe it is. Uh, which seems to work well for me. Uh, sure. I know some people that have used it and it doesn't work well for them. But mm-hmm. for me, it just removes that layer of anxiety, that that little question, you know, that kind of lingers in the back of your mind. Um, but I've, I haven't tried the CBD strands, and I'm very curious to know, like, how does the CBD oil different f- differ from a, a strain where I would actually be grinding that up?
1: Mm-hmm. So, how it would differ from from the flower, the live flower, is. When you're taking the oil, obviously there's no combustible. There's absolutely you're just you're just taking it in, and it's really easy for newer users to to kind of take on cannabis that way. The oils act very similar to an edible, where it takes about 30, 40 minutes for the effects to actually kick in. Whereas if you're smoking something, regardless of if you're smoking in a joint, combusting it, or if you're smoking in a vaporizer, vaporizer does not combust it. By the way, listeners out there, it kicks in quicker. You're going to feel that effect within five minutes or less, mm. right? So faster effect. Now, an ingestible may last longer as well. It could last anywhere between three to four hours, similar to an edible. It's so being processed
0: those, through your liver. It's it's being processed differently into your bloodstream, correct?
1: Exactly. So I would say those are the biggest differences. So go ahead. You could try. You could tr- try smoking CBD. I I, I recommend smoking. One to ones. I love one to ones.
0: Okay. And when you say one to one, what is that?
1: One to one is equal. It's almost equal parts THC, equal parts CBD. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Gives her a nice relaxing effect, not overwhelming. Very, make a note of that. Great for the daytime. Yeah. One
0: to one. Eh? See, I'm still trying to wrap my head around. You've got me thinking about the THC uh, content, which I I like, you've got me thinking about this whole, you know, walking in there and asking for this, because what I've noticed when we were talking before, I had mentioned that I was smoking uh, Jack Hayes and Mm. that, that they list a high THC on that. And I find with that strain that my brain is just locked on. Like it's just firing. The funny thing is I just had this conversation with my girlfriend the other day. Um, my sex drive isn't high. So, you know, in some of the in some of the strains that I've smoked, especially like in uh, indigas or, or hybrids with an indica dominant, the sex drive is there, but with this high THC or this particular strain, actually another high THC one uh, sour diesel, but I gotta get out of this thinking. It's it firing, my brain is firing. Mm. So now instead of focusing to go back for a minute, because my brain's still trying to wrap its head around this conversation. You don't like the idea of referring to it as a high THC strain or, or focusing on the, the THC component. What would be the better way? Just just focus on this is what gets me to that level. Just get a little log and start jotting down Jack Hayes, brain firing, blah 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 blah.
1: That's the thing. Like everyone reacts to cannabis differently, so each strain will will be different for each person. For me, Jack Hayes, I love Jack Hayes. It, it gets me wired. I'm just like ready to just kind of take on the day and and do chores and take on tasks and that sort of thing, right? So, but I, I totally get it. it could, I could see where the anxiety can come in because I know people who already suffer from anxiety and if they smoke something like a Jack haze that's very in in, in the head, mm. it's just going to bring on that anxiety even more, right? So uh, I, I, I highly recommend to people out there that are just getting into Canvas to write, have, have almost like a, a journal, a log for yourself, right? And, and make note hey I smoke jack Hays this is how I felt that's I a great idea this rain this is how I felt so you know and you can refer back to it and say okay you know I, I like that feeling I really enjoy that feeling I'm gonna, I'm gonna try something similar to that strain and see if I get something similar to that right or, or I don't I don't really like these certain strains because it, it produces anxiety for me so I'm not gonna smoke those type of strains again it, it's a great idea for individuals to make note of what you like. Personally, I like certain strains for different experiences, different times of the day, different things that I'm doing. How do I want to feel at that moment? Right. So like I mentioned, during the daytime, I'll smoke something like a Jack haze. I may not smoke that at nighttime because I won't, I won't be able to go to bed. My -hmm. my mind's going to be racing. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 for myself, I understand what I like during different times of the day and how I want to feel and so forth.
0: I, I honestly think it's the only way to, to approach it and and really maximize it because, you know, we talk about how cannabis has all these properties to it that we, we you know, could be utilizing. And if we don't identify what they are, then you're missing a major opportunity. Like I said, when I first started into it, like five years ago, one of the major things I was focused on at that point in time was sleep. My sleep was horrible. Um, I was going through a really stressful time, so I wasn't able to shut my brain off. So I started to interject, you know, marijuana into the equation, the cannabis mm-hmm. into the equation, and then I could sleep. Now, one of the things that I was finding, though, is after a long period of time, I couldn't remember my dreams. And so, what was actually happening was that my body didn't feel like it was going through its sleep cycle. And so, when I was waking up, I was actually waking up exhausted still which is fascinating to me. So there's been a couple of experiments that I've tried over the years. I'm a type one diabetic as well. So when I smoke marijuana, especially when I, when I smoke an indiga or a hybrid, I, and I have to talk to a professional about this, like a doctor who understands the way this works, but when I eat things, it affects my blood sugar levels. Now, obviously, I'm not talking snacking. Like snacking is going to affect your blood sugar levels when you're sober. But what seems to happen with marijuana is that it slows down the body's metabolism, mm-hmm. and it, it, that food just stays in there, and it causes an insulin spike in my or a, a blood sugar level spike in my blood. So hmm. it's still something that I'm messing around with now. I just concede it, and I just adjust accordingly my insulin intake, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, it's, that's one thing that's affected me um, in, in terms of that, uh, long-term sleep um, aspects as well. Uh, I haven't found something to address inflammation just yet. So I'm open to suggestions on that. I've definitely found something that fires my brain. Um, so some of the things that I'm looking for, I'm looking for something to address inflammation. And I'm also looking for something, and this might sound... <laughs> This might sound uh, you know counterintuitive given the conversation we're having. But memory, mm. one of the things that I find sometimes is that I want to sit down, especially if you're firing on you mm. know a, a really active strain. And I want to, you know, consume a whole bunch of stuff. I want to do some research. I want to do this and I want to do that. And then I wake up the next day and I I don't remember a damn thing (laughs) that I, (laughs) so I don't know if you have any suggestions on either (laughs) one of those fronts. I know that the memory thing might not be, this might not be the tool for memory. I I don't know if there is a strain that addresses. I
1: believe there is actually a terpene that helps with memory retention. And I bet you if you're to Google right now, you could figure out that terpene pretty quickly. So if you are okay. to Google terpene that, that helps with memory attention, it will definitely come up. Okay. And there are certain, certain terpenes that helps with inflammation as well. So definitely look into that to see what terpenes help with inflammation. CBD is great for inflammation too, right? So that's why I suggest the one-to-one because personally, I think you, you get more of the CBD. The CBD interacts better with your body when there's a little bit of THC in the mix because okay. you're getting, again, that entourage effect.
0: Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give the, uh, I'm going to give the smoke a try. Um, because like I said, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to to really look into that one just yet. So I think I, I will look into that. One of the things in thinking about it now, we were talking about the vaporizer versus a joint. And you mm-hmm. were talking about that combustion that you don't get with a vaporizer. Do you think that the vaporizer doesn't release certain things that a joint would like certain terp- terpenes or certain cannabinoids that a joint doesn't because it doesn't get to the same combustion level?
1: I don't think it works that way. So you're at a temperature level where you're still vaporizing the the cannabinoids, the terpenes are still being released, right? It's just not being burnt. With that being said, and I'm sure you've noticed when you vaporize something in a vaporizer, if you're vaporizing dry herb versus smoking joint, the high is very different. I find when you vaporize it, it's a much cleaner high it's mm-hmm. almost to the point where it's so clean, you don't feel as high. Almost, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's um, not a
0: cl- there's no cloudiness. I exactly, mean, you know, yeah,
1: exactly. Some people love that. I I, I, get, I like that heavy feeling sometimes. I like it where it's just like pushing my eyes down and I'm just feeling it in your forehead. I kind of like that feeling, you know, I, I, maybe because it's just the old school in me, where because I've been smoking combusting weed since I was a teenager, maybe that's why I feel like that. I, I don't know. But, you know, I have lots of friends that are like, oh, I love vaporizing more because I feel like I get much higher because of that clean feeling. So I guess it's a personal thing. It depends on how you like to feel. But to answer your question, no, I, I believe that the vaporizer, you're still reaping as much of the benefits that, you know, compared to smoking it.
0: Fair enough. Let's stick with the usage conversation. Uh, you had mentioned earlier that you started a while back actually utilizing it for medicinal purposes. Mm-hmm. Could you share a little bit more detail what those uh, were, and what your findings were at that point in time?
1: Yeah. So like I, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I do suffer from a little bit of ADD, hard for me to kind of stick to one thing. I kind of just jump all over the place and not only that, I'm very high strung, meaning that, you know, if something takes me off, I could just flip a switch and go check on hide on you and just flip out. Right. Lots of anger management issues, I guess. Sure. But yeah. I, find I can I relate sm- to that, man. Hey, man. And then when you, when I smoke weed, I don't get that way. I don't usually blow up. It takes a lot to get me to get to if I wasn't high or consuming and it helps me stay focused. I find when I'm, Smoking something. I like to focus on one task rather than ten different tasks at one time.
0: Totally agree with that, man. Like my brain gets so scattered. I've said this for years, and I am a big believer in it. Multitasking is horseshit. I I I just don't believe that it's a true thing. You know, I'm a big fan of psychology, so I'm always reading shit like that. And you know, again, that information is coming to the forefront that multitasking is not necessarily a real thing and so if you can get your brain to go in one direction more power to you man that's awesome
1: yeah those are those are the major reasons why i decided this is why i consume cannabis and Mm. I, i yeah i enjoy the high as well don't get me wrong i love that feeling i love the taste of weed and the smell of it and just the ritual of crying it up but the main reason is because it helps with these certain ailments that I deal with.
0: It's so interesting that you mention rituals. I, that is such an intriguing thing. It's always been interesting to me is the way people consume weed. It's like nothing else, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe like a box of chocolates, but you don't see people handing around a 40 of liquor often. I mean, I'm sure it happens. You don't see people opening up a beer and passing that around no. a group of people, but you will see a group of seven people standing outside, right. maybe having one or two joints and just passing that around, man. There's something about that. That's just, it's like a community feel,
1: isn't it? Definitely. I I, I, I would love to say that cannabis does have more of that social aspect to it, right? Don't get me wrong. When you drink Alcohol, yeah, you like to socialize, you love to talk to people as well, but it's a different kind of bond. Because when you're smoking weed, you're all experiencing that moment because you're experiencing, you may not have the same high because like I said, everyone may feel differently, but just passing that joint, it's different. It's just a different feeling and, and you're right. We don't do that in alcohol. But with alcohol, we still do have a little bit of that, you know, ritual in terms of I would compare it to when you're, you know, taking a butt out, smelling the butt and then grinding it up and then rolling the joint. I would compare that to pouring a glass of wine, swirling it around, you know, to look at the legs or whatever it's called. And then you just smell that wine. You smell that wine before you drink it or a nice bourbon or scotch. You want to smell it first before you drink it. So I would say there's similarities in that respect to, you know, kind of rolling a joint. But in terms of the binding aspect, you're right. We don't usually pass a forty around or <laughs> or pass a beer around. We will pour pour your glass. You can try it here. Grab a glass and and, and do it. But uh, it, it's yeah. cool how we've made it okay. Uh, maybe COVID's kind of changed a little bit, but uh, um,
0: yeah, I mean, you take a little bit more, but that just means you bring your own riser and you maybe roll your yeah. own joint and yeah. you just you know s- social distancing is totally fine and and you have at it.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: Now I want to switch a little bit over to the marketing industry. So hmm. you were, is it okay to mention your company's name by the way, or yeah. would you rather not? Okay. No, it's, so, it's
1: absolutely fine. So um, I, I know we kind of diverted, but um, yeah, that's okay. So kind of going back to the beginning of the podcast. Absolutely. It's a good way to wrap it on. back up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, yeah. So during that time when I had my MMRA license, I was still doing sales in the digital media industry. And then from there, I decided to open up my own business again. So I came up with this crazy idea to to start, you know, I guess this is a stoner in me. I was high (laughs) when I came up with the idea and the menu (laughs) and everything.
0: I was gonna ask, but please tell everyone I love it.
1: So I was stoned and having a couple beers and I came up with a crazy concept to start a gourmet grilled cheese and mac and cheese restaurant called Cut the Cheese. Amazing. And uh, I did it. I love I, it. I love the name
0: <laughs> and I love the concept. I was only sad that I missed, I missed it. I completely missed it. So
1: All good, All continue good. on. <laughs> <laughs> so came up with this crazy idea and concept, ran with it, opened it up in the junction area of Toronto, ran it for about six years or so. That's how long the actual business, you know, from concept to, to, and ran the actual physical store itself was open for about four and a half years or so and um you know did did fairly well i I won a bunch of awards i was voted the best grilled cheese in toronto for i think the entire time i was i was open i think by blog team amazing um i think i was like the fourth best grilled cheese or sixth best grilled cheese in the city and uh you know i was in toronto star cp24 and all, all the major media outlets i was in so great concept did pretty well people loved it it was just the food industry was tough, man. You know, mm-hmm. I I'd never worked in the food industry before and anyone listening who works in the food industry can attest to this. It, it's a grind. It's very tough. It's, it's grueling and it, 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 can, it can beat you down. It, it, it took a little bit of toll to myself and cannabis was becoming legalized around what, 2014. And around that time I was like, Hey, I think, it, I think it's I, no, this is when Trudeau was announcing that cannabis was going to be legalized. And I was like, at that time, I was like, maybe maybe it's time for me to kind of hang it up. And then, um, you know, I, over a few years, I started to think about it. Montreal actually was like, hey, this is when it's, it's going to be legalized. I was like, oh, shit, it's actually happening. Maybe this is time for me to kind of hang up the cut the cheese reins and, and jump into the cannabis industry. And that's what I did. So I, I sold off cut the cheese. I, sold, I, I still technically own the business, but I sold the space off. And put my 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 whole heart to it and was and said to myself, I'm gonna go into the cannabis industry. So, I kind of pivoted and was able to secure uh, a sales job with another agency called Great North Distributors. I so worked with them for a bit, and I was there for about a year and a half. And then, um, yeah, then joined Kindred. So it was fun being at the forefront and seeing the Ontario market become what it is now, right? Because like I was in it right before legalization, October. It became legal in october of 2018 so i got to see all the ontario stores come in and start off and i was at the forefront like i helped launch this thing which was pretty cool
0: wow that's amazing especially given your history with uh with the the herb itself right that's amazing man so what has been some of the surprising things for you in the year and a half that you've been in the legalized side of things like things that you've experienced that maybe you didn't even realize was going to take place
1: for sure so well actually it's been it's been uh two years now two 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 and a half oh yeah that's right two years of it because i was with um i was with the first company i worked with for about a year and a half and then i i got poached by another agency uh, called kindred and uh yeah so i've been with this company for just about a year um but in terms of my experience of the legal industry for the, the past two years it's been a wild ride and anyone in the legal space can attest and tell you this that a year in the two years in the in the cannabis industry is like dog years. It feels like five years, right? Wow. Because things move so fast and things just change so quickly because it's a new industry that it feels like time is just going by so much quicker.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. What have been some of the changes that have taken place or what have been some of the rapid fire experience mm-hmm. that have taken place in this two and a half year span?
1: Yeah. So what Cannabis legalization first happened, it happened in two waves. We had the first wave, which was cannabis flour and oils. And then we had our 2.0 phase, which was concentrates, beverages, and edibles. So that was like another big pivot and, and things changing, and retailers had to adapt and adapt to that and get fridges and that sort of thing. And ch- everything changes so quickly. You have companies that are can be doing well one day and they may not be doing well the next day. You have mergers happening. It's just, it's, it's the wild west right now, basically the way I like to describe it.
0: That's actually one of the (laughs) things that I wanted to talk to you about uh, was that the industry right now, it seems like these, these shops are opening up left, right, and center. And is it saturated right now? What's happening with this? Why are places opening and closing so quickly and merging? Is it people just taking advantage of an opportunity to kind of get in on the ground floor, so to speak, and then get out while the, you know, strike while the iron's hot? what's what's happening right now with the distribution center the distribution places i guess yeah. the shops the storefronts
1: yeah in terms of the shops i would say lots of people got into it originally were doing it for the money you know they saw mm-hmm. this opportunity cannabis legal and i could be a legal drug dealer and become a millionaire instantly and you know that sort of thing right so mm-hmm. a lot of these individuals have no understanding of retail nor do they have any understanding of the cannabis in the planet itself so that's why we're seeing a lot of these acquisitions, companies having to sell their businesses because one, they don't know how to run a retail space for one and they don't understand cannabis. So when they're speaking to customers coming in, when customers are speaking to them, if they can't relate to you, why would they go back and buy a week from you? It's right? so, totally fair. And that's, that's why we're seeing a lot of these changes and a lot of these things happening. And not only from the retail side of things, but also on the production side of things. We have a lot of people who enter the market who don't understand cannabis and you are doing it strictly for the money. you know? Mm. Um, we're seeing a lot of ex-politicians, ex-police officers that are in the industry because, hey, it's legal now and it's a way to make money. So right. do they understand the plant? Do they care about the producing medicine? Do they care about the end consumer? They may not. Maybe they do. I don't know. I can't speak for them. We are seeing a lot of companies out there that are, that are putting out sub, subpar product because they've never grown cannabis before. They, they just thought, hey, if I could grow you know, a tomato plant I could grow anything, type of thing, right? right? So it's been in, in, interesting, and uh, you know, I've always wondered why did these LPs and and everyone everyone else in the company, in the industry, why are they not including people from the legacy market, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, maybe because the legacy market don't want, maybe they don't want to join the legal market. I don't know, but I, I know for a fact there are people that do want to join and that they've had problem is getting into the legal market and I just don't understand why the legal market has has not opened up their arms to them and provided them to enter this market and transition and just get to the point where they need to because these individuals understand the cannabis industry they've been doing it for the past whatever amount of years yeah they might have been doing it illegally but They've still been some great product out there, right? So,
0: well, it's a great point that you bring up, and and I wonder if it's just you know their illusion of of making sure that everyone it's a fair process with the licensing and so forth. But I mean, I do I, when you say that, I think of Cafe down on Fort York, mm. uh, which is pretty notorious now. But I ended up stumbling into that probably five, four, three, four years ago, uh, just out of the blue, and I couldn't believe that it was there because this was before legalization and. From what I understand, from you know, friend of a friend of a friend, you hear all these stories about how there's a, a loose agreement with police that they would come in and they would bust, almost like Pacific Mall, you know, yes. mall up up north, right? Yeah. You just you busted they close up, then they come back, and they didn't end up getting a license uh, to to legalize. And then there was once legalization came in, there was a massive fight with them in the city, and them barring you know the owners out, and then the owners like locking down. I agree. I think in certain situations, they should have welcomed those people in. If you really want to provide a, a proper product, a clean product of people who actually care and are knowledgeable, then you have to bring those people into the legalized market, yeah. don't you?
1: I, I I would think so. But, uh, you know, I'm not a CEO of, <laughs> of an LP, so I, I can make those decisions, right? So but, Totally uh, fair. Those are the... De- Those are decisions that they're making, but here's the thing. A lot of the, we're we're learning from our mistakes right now in terms of the the legal cannabis space. So a lot of mistakes have been made. I feel like a lot of those mistakes are being viewed upon and they've been reflected on. And now they're, they're improving. The legal market has improved immensely Mm. the past couple of years. When legalization first came out, I'll tell you, there was a lot of shit out there. A lot of shitty product, just really bad, like, Stuff I was getting in high school was better than some of the stuff on the legal oh market God. when I legalized it first came out. Uh, but looking now, man, you got some great products out there. You got some wicked blood that you could get. You got like seven acres, that Jack A's. We got a uh, mm-hmm. bunch of amazing, great different LPs and brands that are just putting out great flour. So we are improving. Um, but uh, the Lego legacy Market still exists. And like I said, I don't, I don't foresee the legacy market going away. Anytime soon, it may shrink him, but it won't fully go away anytime
0: soon. Yeah, I can see that happening. And, and I'm glad to hear from your perspective and, and also a couple of other people that I know that know more, way more about weed and have been in that industry for a while feel that the legalized side of it is really catching up uh, in terms of its product quality. Now, you guys are mainly a marketing company, is that correct? And
1: So we are a sales agent. So so the name of the company I work for is called Kindred. We are, essentially what we do is we're uh a sales agency for the LPs, for the growers. So if a grower wants to focus on what they do well, which is growing, let them do that and we'll handle the, uh, the sales aspect for them, right? So for those companies that don't want to hire their own internal sales team, we basically handle the sales for them and we sell to the retail stores. And uh, we have reps all across the country in all the provinces. So uh, we're a national company. We represent four different LPs And um, basically, yeah, we distribute, we sell the products into into the legal retail store.
0: Now, do you deal directly with the stores or do you have to go through the government or is that already prearranged?
1: So how it works in Canada or Ontario specifically, the OCS, the Ontario cannabis store, very similar to the LCBO, is the wholesale. So all the licensed producers, they have to sell into the OCS and then the OCS sells into the retail stores. So basically as a sales agency, what we do is we essentially work with the retailers and then try and um, convince them to buy our products from the OCS.
0: Oh, interesting. So the producers are sending it to the government. And then, so do you end up going into actual shops and say, here, this is Okay, so yeah, um, not to compare you against big pharma or anything like that, but it, that's what I kind of picture is that you know drug companies going to doctors' offices and saying you should sell this drug because of that. Is that a similar process or is it different?
1: I would say it's very similar to that process in a way. Um, the only difference is we're not selling them on you know, any sort of medicinal aspect where we're just like, Hey, you know, we got this rain, you it know, it'd be great if you could carry this, that sort of thing. Right. So I would say it's more comparable to, uh, it's like no other industry out there. So you can't, really yeah, it's, yeah, it's,
0: but that's yeah. also a cool thing. Like, so then why don't you walk, walk me through your approach. Cause I'm curious about this. So you walk in, we've got a, a place down the street called Tokyo smoke. You walk into Tokyo smoke, you know, who do you talk to? What's the pitch? You know, what's the process involved there?
1: Me personally, I, I don't go into the stores to sell to this on a store level. We have uh, what we call territory managers that do that. I, I, I work more on a, a head office level. So I deal if, with the bigger chains. So yeah, Tokyo Smoke, good example. If, if they're a big chain, so I would deal with the, Tokyo, the people at Tokyo Smoke head office and I would sell to them and try and get it sold into and then they would sell it and then they would distribute to all their stores that they sell. Right. So fire and flower is another, another great example. I, if I sell it to a fire and flower, then I'd be like, Hey, can you get it? Can I would love to see this get listed in all your stores? Great. Randall let's get it listed. Boom. It's all in this 54 stores now.
0: So now your knowledge, like you must have to have knowledge of all the strains. Like, How, how does that work? What, like, what kind of knowledge base do you hold and, and, you know, where do you get that information from?
1: So our suppliers have sell sheets and that sort of thing for us. And then we basically take that information. We can pass that over to the retailer. But I think the reason why a lot of people like me in this industry is the fact that I have, I come from the legacy market, so to speak, almost, right? So I was an MMA or designated grower. I'm a cannabis connoisseur myself. I love cannabis. So I know what I'm talking about. I'm true, I'm genuine. And that's what a lot of people love about myself is that, you know, if they're a cannabis consumer uh, connoisseur, they could kind of relate to me as well, right? It's easy for us to, to have- You hit all the markets. Yeah, essentially.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's amazing, man. See, it sounds like a natural fit. It almost feels like all, of this, all of these years of other business ventures was just leading you to this point.
1: Dream job, man. This is, <laughs> this is I am not going to be leaving this industry, industry. I love this industry and I just want to continue growing with this industry. And, uh, you know, Kindred has been great to me. They they've really They really believe me, believe in me, in terms of Randall as a person and as a, as a business individual. So, um, you know, I, I I love love this industry, I love my job. It's just, it's been great. It's been an awesome ride. And just being at the forefront and helping shape this industry has been an experience that I, I can't explain. I can't even, you know, it's, it, it, it I'm living my dream right now, basically. <laughs>
0: congratulations on that brother Thank i mean you. that is Thank that you. is amazing it's uh, people take a lifetime sometimes they don't find you know they say get you know find your love and and chase after that that's exactly what you've done so good for you man that's that's Thank awesome you. um it's it's actually interesting i'm just thinking and now we're talking about different things and you know back in the day a people, oh, you you smoke weed, you're, you're going to amount to nothing. You know, you play video games, you're not going to amount to nothing. All these things that amounted to nothing are actually have have potential now, have an industry. It's pretty fascinating about how things have come along in the past 30, 35 years.
1: For sure. And basically, those are stigmas that have been developed were propaganda essentially, right? Yeah. And, and just the lack of education. And I think the reason why we're seeing that is because not to, I don't want to group anyone, but I think a lot of times the lazy stoners, so to speak, they were already lazy before smoking weed. Smoking weed yeah. just made them more lazy. So yeah, it, yeah. it really depends on the individual. Like I've, I've met so many people where they're like, holy shit, Randall, like I have never met a stoner like you that was so productive and so like boom, boom, boom on the go and just, you know, whatever. But uh, it, that's a thing. It's an individual thing. If I was already lazy, I'd probably be a lazy stoner. But I'm a productive individual, so I'm a productive stoner. Yeah, absolutely. Cannabis basically just enhances your character that already or your character or personality that already exists.
0: The caveat that I would add to that though is something that you brought up earlier, which is vital that you got the knowledge in order to find out what are the things that, you know, maybe highlight the things that you're good at you know, if you're a motivated person, if you're entrepreneurial minded, but yet you're just, you know, sinking into the couch, then th- that's not the strain that's going to get you where you want to go. Mm-hmm. You've taken the the opportunity to get to know these strains and different yes. levels, right? So that is, I totally agree with what you had said earlier in terms of that. One of the things that I want, and, and maybe we'll end up ending on this one, but I wanted to pick your brain on the marketing aspect. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that different industries have different uh, marketing restrictions and so forth. How is it right now in terms of marketing? And now there's different levels as I'm learning, having this conversation with you from the, the growers to you know the the um, storefronts and and everybody in between. How is marketing being handled right now? And how is it being policed? Can cannabis industry market directly to individuals? How is that? I'm sure that's also evolving too, but how is that right now?
1: As of right now, it's highly regulated. Mm -hmm. So the marketing is extremely regulated. There are so many things that you cannot do that it makes it difficult for for cannabis companies to market to individuals and Mm -hmm. really put the message out there. So we, we have to be very careful of how we market. You can't speak on effects. You can't speak on the medicinal benefits of it. Basically, you can't speak of why cannabis is good and what it's going to do, uh, which is ridiculous. It's counterintuitive.
0: That so, is handcuffing.
1: Yeah. And you, you, can't, you can't equate it to, you know, like a lifestyle and stuff like that. So it's very bland, very boring marketing. You could allude to certain things. You could allude to holidays and stuff like that and that sort of thing. But it, it, it very makes it difficult then you know what? It gets marketing people to be creative, right? So Absolutely. I feel like because it's so restrictive, we're going to see better marketers because they're going to have to work around the, legisl- the regulations and, and figure out ways how to put the message out to the consumer without being doing anything illegal. So I think it's going to make for better marketers, which is a good thing. And you know what? Over time, we will eventually see the regulations ease back a little bit. It's yeah. going to take years, right? So like anything.
0: Well, of course, yeah, because you're getting into advertising, you know, commercials, print ads, all that type of stuff. And you got to kind of, so you guys have to continue to break down walls. Like just weed being legal isn't the final step, is it, for this industry? It's really like the first half a step Oh
1: yeah. in,
0: in order to make you guys a mainstay, like things like coffee. Yeah. Which is, you know, the most widely consumed drug in the world, uh, <laughs> alcohol and tobacco, right? Like that's that I, I that I never occurred to me. I just thought, okay, everything is good to go. But really, you guys are still infants.
1: This is just the beginning. Wow. I, I say give it give it another ten years or so, and then I think we'll be at that kind of like sweet spot where it's going to kind of be. This is what the industry is, type of thing, right? So, So do
0: you think that now is still the opportunity, like there's still opportunity to get in? I mean, you know, everyone talks about ground floors, everybody talks about trying to get in while, you know, Apple stocks are, you know, two cents and now they're $40 billion a share. Has that window closed on the weed industry or has it only closed slightly on certain aspects of this process?
1: I wouldn't say that it has closed. You can still get into the cannabis industry and start a cannabis company. The only problem is that you're now battling these giants, these giants that have massive amounts of capital that, you know, are public companies that have, that are offering stocks and that sort of thing. So now you're competing against these big giants. So you have to figure out where you could carve your own niche and how you fit within that niche and how can you make money and be successful within that niche. You don't want to, you don't want to go up against those, the giant uh, grow companies because you you just won't be able to take them on, right? So how how do you, so I, I feel like there's still a great opportunity for craft growers and especially once regulations open up and they say, hey, you could open up a craft, grow up similar to a brewery where you can have you know on-site consumption and an on-site store i think there's lots of opportunities for that down the road we're not there yet that, that's not regulated you could have a micro grow up, you could have a store on site but the thing is you have to buy your product back from the ocs so you have to sell it to the ocs and then buy it back and sell it through that store oh my goodness okay yeah. so
0: there's loopholes but almost yeah it's, we're it's not, not, we're there, not yet. there yet exactly. we're not amsterdam just yet no no.
1: <laughs> no coffee shops. We won't, we won't see coffee shops for a while, you
0: know? <laughs> oh my God. Um, I think that's pretty much all the stuff that I wanted to go through with you cool. today. Like you've given me a lot to chew on uh, in terms of like, I'm, I can't wait to go back and, and kind of listen to this uh, this <laughs> recording and think about what I want to talk to you about next. What else do you have going on right now? Is there anything that you want to plug? Is there anything else you'd like to say that you think people should know? about the weed industry or, or anything else at all, man. I'll give you the final word. You've been so gracious with your time.
1: <laughs> um, I appreciate it. Again, thank you for having me on. And um, I, I guess, you know, nothing that I really want to plug. I don't want to plug every single brand that, that we carry. But if anyone is interested, feel free to check out Kindred Canada. You can see our portfolio and see the brands that we represent. Um, I don't want to plug every single brand that we, that we have available. But uh, we do carry a wide assortment of different you know, brands and, and strains and different products we we carry you know edibles we have edible products under you know 4-H, Howie Wowie for example we have vape products if anyone is interested in kind of you know these five tenth rated carts we have a mm-hmm. bunch of these in our portfolio uh, we have some great flour in our portfolio as well so we can we carry an assortment of different things in our portfolio and and basically what I, I guess what I want to say is that don't be afraid to to consume cannabis anyone out there who has never tried it before don't be afraid to try it. it it's now legal now you have the opportunity to try it and there are many different ways for you to consume you, can, you don't have to smoke it like i mentioned you could try you could try a beverage you could try an edible a little candy or something like that right so many different ways to get, to consume cannabis and try and, and and do it with an open mind you know, Forget about all the stigmas, forget about all the propaganda that was shoved down your throat when you were younger, because those were those were created for a reason. Those stigmas were created for a reason, right? Because it was illegal. So now that it's legal, just go with an open mind and just try it. If you like it, awesome. If you don't like it, and if it's not for you, not a problem. But I would love to see everyone try and see what it can do for you. Because I'm a big believer in this plant in that it has so many different benefits to just getting high. That's, that's, I, I guess that's kind of where I want to leave things. And, you know, I, I would love to continue to see this industry grow. And I'm excited to see where we end up 20 years from now.
0: You, me too, brother. I I can't wait to see what happens with it. Uh, I'm actually kind of curious, even on your level and your journey, I want to see what happens with you next. And I think you summed it up beautifully, man. So thank you very much for your words. Thank you very much for your input. Thank you very much for your time, man. Like I said, our relationship uh, spans back a month. (laughs) So, for you to sit down with me for the last hour and a half and have this conversation, man, I really, really appreciate it. So, thank you very much, Randall.
1: No problem. Cool, Chris. Well, thank you so much.
0: All right, brother. We'll do this again.
1: Cool. Peace out.